I really had a lot of fun interviewing senior professional John Sperling. He is so full of energy and enthusiasm, which really comes across on the show. Plus, he gave some great tips on how to improve your defense and figure out your opponent's patterns so you can defeat them. So let's get to the intro to hear from John. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, John Sperling. Welcome, John. Well, great to be here. Always excited to talk pickleball. Yes. And, you know, originally I connected with you because we're both speaking at the Pickleball Summit that CJ and Tony are putting on here in a couple of weeks, although this podcast will probably come out after that. But yeah, I it, it was funny because when we talked on the call a week or so ago, I remember that you had said that you had been to Oxford, Connecticut teaching and, and it, it jogged my memory and I'm like, yeah, I remember seeing that. I, I wish I would have gone. But anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead and, and get started here with tell me a little bit about how you got involved in the game of pickleball and how long ago that was. Wow. Pickleball. I was I was a director of tennis at a club in Ocala, Florida for so many years. And I had a guy who kept coming up to me and saying, hey, you need to try this, this game of pickleball. I'm like, pickleball. I said, I'm not playing pickleball. And I blew him off for so long and so many times. And finally, I mean, he just, the guy wore me down. And finally he says, come out, let me show you what pickleball is. So it took me, took me outside. We hit literally two minutes and I'm like, why aren't we playing this game? Cause it was so, it, to me, it was, it was so fun. It was so quick. It was, it was something about it. Right. And from that moment, I literally have been hooked. I I watched more videos than anyone in the world ever watched about pickleball of just trying to understand the game or just trying to figure it out. And then I just jumped in. My first, I think, major tournament was the U.S. Open, which to me was very unique. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't make it in the tennis world there, but I made it in the pickleball world. And I was very blessed to win it my first year, not at the pro level, but at a higher level. And everyone says, you can't play it at this level. you got to be a pro. And so I kind of jumped in with two feet. And not long after that, I left my job of 20-some years to start teaching pickleball. And that was in 2000, and I want to say 17. I don't know if it was 16 or 17, but it was right around that time. And so from that moment, I've been all pickleball. I I had a a few tennis kids that I um, weeded off of after a while. And after they got their scholarships and and went on to other activities, I I became a pickleball instructor full-time and a player. So that's my little small journey to pickleball and don't regret one bit. Now, I'm, I'm curious, why did you not want to play pickleball for, you know, it sounds like you kept being asked and you just didn't want to play. Why was that? You know, I was so busy with the tennis world at that point And it, it really, honestly, it was the name. I'm like, I'm going to play pickleball. What is pickleball? And I just, I wasn't going to do it. And then the minute I start hitting the ball, I'm like, oh, pickleball. Yeah, okay. So at first it was probably the name that deterred me and maybe a little bit of the guy as well. Cause he was always one of those guys who was bugging me about everything at the club all the time. So maybe I, I, I may blame the name more than I blame him, but I probably should blame him more. So, <laughs> but it was, it was kind of a funny thing. And then literally I was like, Oh, we have to play this game. So it was kind of fun. You know, I think I'm wondering now if pickleball has gotten 
popular enough so that people don't mind the name, you know, you know, just there's so many people playing now and, you know, people who are hesitant to play the silly game, you know, called yeah. pickleball. I, I, someone came up, said we should change the name. And I'm like, no, you should not change the name. I love the name now. So now I'm, now I'm a big proponent of keeping the name. But back in the day, I was like, eh, I don't want to play pickleball. But so, yeah, now I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of keeping the name and keeping the history. So it's kind of cool. Now, I know that you work with kids a fair amount in, in pickleball and what do they think of the name? What's their reaction to it? Um, you know, they don't care. They don't, they, they think it's cool. They actually, most kids think it's kind of a fun little thing and they don't really know. I, I worked with kids so much. I actually wrote a kid's book about pickleball and I'm waiting to publish it. So it's look for, look for the, the, the little children's book on pickleball from, from John Sperling. So it should be pretty neat. That's awesome. So when's that? I met with my editor and I met with a illustrator. And so it's, it's in the makings. It was kind of funny. I I had a buddy who who wrote a book and he says, you should try it. I do not consider myself a creative guy, but I put it together and everyone I've shown going, oh my God, you've got to get this out there. And I tried to have my buddy do it like under him. And he goes, no, 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 that's you. You need to do that. So it's kind of a neat little story. Kind of tells a little bit about the game, a little bit about talks about little things. It's it's very Dr. Susie, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Well, that's, that's great. And I'll look forward to that coming, <laughs> coming out, no doubt. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you know, as you do work with kids and and pickleball, and I'm sure you did a lot with tennis. I mean, it's really just so much more than about the game, isn't it? Oh my goodness! I I did a podcast a long time ago or a couple months ago, and it was they asked me about my background and and you know, and I as an instructor of kids, you're not just an instructor of kids; you're a, a a mentor, a role model, a substitute parent in a lot of cases right so you're you have a multi you have a lot of you have a lot of jobs as a coach i still have kids to this day who i've taught 30 some years ago who still call me and call me coach and it's that bond that you you have with them much like when i had a coach it was basically my second dad i mean i i would ask them advice that i would ask my father and so i have kids who you know, I sent so many kids to school and, and ran through so many different kids through through teaching. It was just you you have a unique connection with them. Some things you could, you know, the parents would sometimes come to me and say, hey, can you tell Billy to do this? Because they won't do it. And if it comes from me, they do it. So it's kind of a different, different way it works, but you have that unique bond with them. Sometimes I was, you know, I was with a kid more than they were with their parents. You know, I'd work with a kid sometimes 20 hours a week. Other than school and all that other stuff, you know, I'm the the biggest influence to them outside of it. So you have to you have that's a big responsibility to have. And I don't know if everyone thinks of it that way or they just think of it about a job. I never thought of it like that. I always thought of it as how blessed I was to be able to work with with the uh, uh, kids. So it was kind of a nice thing. And I, I think you had mentioned at the New Jersey Open, you've got some kids programs that you'll be running. Absolutely. We are going to, it's, it's Cassandra Gerke and myself are the host for the New Jersey open in August. And what we're going to do is we're going to do something totally different. We, we love that there's, they do programs at at these events for kids who already play, but we're going to reach out to kids that don't play 
You know, we're going to go to this. We've, we're, we're going to the school systems and we're going to we're going to go in and, and teach the little kids who haven't heard of pickleball, who don't already have the experience with it, because that's how we're going to keep continuing to build it for generations and generations. You have to have a grassroots programs. I don't know if we're in that process yet with the USA Pickleball, where we really build those grassroots, but coming from the tennis background, we did it all the time. So you you constantly had that new group or new crop of kids coming in but because you could reach out to them in different ways. And so maybe this is our small little part of being able to reach out to a whole new set of kids that have never heard of the game. And who knows, in 10 years, we may have the next Ben Johns come out of New Jersey, you know? so. You know, that's kind of why we're doing it, not just to have the kids that already know the sport, but to touch those kids' lives who maybe don't know what pickleball. Right. And, you know, pickleball is so interesting because, you know, especially, you know, you've got that tennis background. I talked to tons of tennis players and it's just pickleball. The atmosphere is is very different. And I think that, you know, it, people are welcoming, you know, regardless of who you are or how you, how you play. I mean, that's a, those are great lessons for the kids, isn't it? Absolutely. Cause it's, it's not like, it's not so elitist, right? I, unfortunately in, in tennis, there's somewhat of that elitist feeling. And, and I'm, I was probably a, a, as guilty as anyone else because I was such a high level, but you only played with higher level players because that was what you did. You know, when we were there to compete pickleball, it doesn't have that same, I mean, there's still some of it, but not as, not as much as there are in other sports. So in the, in the pickleball world, I can go and play with four O's or I can play with five O's or I can play with pros and it's doesn't matter. Right. Where other sports, you don't always get that same crossover. So yeah, I think it, it does show a lot to, um, the kids where, Hey, I don't have to be the best, but I can still play, or I don't have to do this, but I can still play. So you're right. It's got that nice little, a nice little feel that's welcoming to all. I'm going to go ahead and, and switch gears for a minute here too, because one of the things that I always like to do anytime I'm talking to one of the professional pickleball players is I always do like to get a little bit into instruction because, you know, people love to hear, hear from the pros. And one of the one of the topics actually I realized I had not spoken about is actually about defense. You know, as I talk to pros, you know, more and more, they're like, okay, yeah, this is becoming more of an attacking game, but I, I have not touched on defense at all. What, what are some tips for people and how should this, this happen? Well, you, you probably picked the right guy because I am way more defensive than anybody. It's kind of unique. I, I'm always, and that's kind of something I preach to partners all the time. And I, so for me, I was very, I'm very blessed. I've, I think I've won eight or 10 tournaments this, this year with like six different players. So my ability to mold and, and play is different than everybody else's, or I, I have a unique ability. I should say not different than everyone else's that I'm more on the defensive side than the offensive side. So it's, for me, it's seeing the game different. Um, there's an old adage there offense wins games, but defense wins championships. And I believe that to this day. And I mean, I've been down in games nine, three, nine, four, and I just tell my partner, stick with it. Just play the defense. We'll get to the offense. And we have slowly worked our way back in and way back in and won those matches strictly because we didn't have to 
be so offensive. We can just, we can, we can make, let them make an error. Uh, I have a great quote that I always tell everybody, all my students, I say, Hey, you don't have to win every point. It's okay for them to lose a couple. And what, you know, most people get in that feeling that they have to do something to win. And I'm like, you just have to do what you're supposed to do. And if that's a little bit defensive minded, that's fine. Allow them to make some errors. If you do what you're supposed to do, you allow some opponents to make some errors rather than having to put the round peg through the square hole all the time. So that's, it's a huge part of my game is being able to play the defense and putting one more ball back in play. So how does somebody learn how to play good defense like that? Well, I have a background in kind of kinesiology and biomechanics. So, uh, you know, studied, studied the way the body moves always helped. When I was in college, I got hit with a tennis ball quite often. So my coach said, you need to take a kinesiology class. And he was the instructor and he goes, every paper I had to write or everything I had to do had to be based on movement towards tennis. So I learned how to read people's bodies and what they could do. So for me, it just became second nature. I almost know what you're going to do before you do. You know, now pickleball has a little bit of variety to it where you can kind of get some misdirections and all that, but pretty much everyone is pretty true to what they, they can't go anywhere without their hips. So if you can understand where the body goes, then you, then you're ahead of the game on that. And so one thing I always tell my, my students is said, look for visual cues, right? Shoulders turn, head down, all these little things that kind of put you in an advantage. And it's, it, it's not so far out of their skill set, even though they're mid-range players, we'll say from a 3-5 to a 4-0, where it's, you know, they've got a lot already in their head. But I'm like, if you can just pick up little little things, you'll you'll realize how much it, it pays off in the long run. So that's kind of what I think about when, I, when I'm thinking about defensive play. You know, that's a really interesting statement. I, I was de- determining today whether I needed to break myself about something and you're actually the perfect person to ask is I realized that as I've played more regularly on a more on a regular basis here recently that I'm oftentimes not even looking at the ball I'm looking at what my opponents are doing when I'm hitting the ball I mean is that something I should really stay away from and the players yes. should stay away from? yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> because what you're going to do is you're going to alter your shot right uh, by by lifting up your head and breaking your kinetic chain, you're going to actually start to make more errors worrying about where – just be confident in where you want to hit, and then I promise you, you'll be able to get the ball to go where you want to go. But if you're worried about it, then it becomes it, – it actually, you let it become something more than it really is. And so just – if you just stay relaxed with it and know what you want is a much bigger deal, right? I think I think most players – don't know what they're looking for so they don't know what to do when they get it if that makes sense how you how you set up a point how you construct a point all can be kind of determined early on if you know what you're looking for and so with you having your head up you're looking for a hole or an opening but in reality if you hit the shot where you knew you're supposed to anyway you wouldn't it wouldn't mechanically mess you up right yeah that that makes really good sense and can you you know just just give an example of what it means that, you know, sometimes players really don't know what they're looking for? So for me, I like, I know when I have control of the ball rather than when I'm just being reactive. So being proactive versus reactive. And it's usually the speed of the ball that has hit at you. I don't think we, when we, I used to have this great saying, I said, you play to their strengths and your weaknesses, or reverse that, your strengths and their weaknesses. But as I started doing it more and more, I started realizing, I'm like, 
well, that, I don't know if that's really true because my, my strength may be their strength. So what I start looking for is their weaknesses. So I, everyone has them. We all have them, right? We just, some can hide them better than others. Some don't get discovered early enough, but if you can find your opponent's weakness, then you got to figure, then you know what you're looking for. And then you know what to expect when it comes back to that. And I don't know if enough players put their mind in, they don't shift to that gear. It's always just playing for what I, what I'm going to do rather than what I'm going to get. That makes sense. It it does. And I, I love that idea of, you know, really looking for the weaknesses. And uh, I, I remember I was interviewing Laura Fenton, Kovanda one time and that's exactly what she talked about especially like with her racquetball career too about you know looking for the weaknesses just so important and and I think most people get caught up on on their strengths though right it's my best shot well yeah it's fine but what if they're better at it than you and so I don't know like we all get kind of caught up in what we want to do and what oh I'm going to do this because it's my shot it it a real athlete knows their limitations right and that's where I came where most people don't balance they don't have that balance they don't just like oh this is my shot this is what I do but the reality of it is that if you play against me and my shot is better than yours you better have another way to do it and I don't know if we build that skill set into everybody. It's something that I strive to do with all my students. I give them multiple ways to win. So if their normal way to win isn't going to do it, maybe they're playing a mirror image of themselves. Well, they have another way. You know, it's always what if, right? What if you don't do that? What if you can't get that? So I kind of reverse engineer the game sometimes. And it kind of, it allows my students to make bigger gains by opening up their mind and not just being so one dimensional on what, you know, I'm going to play to my strengths. No, you're, you're very malleable. You can work it any way you need to in a, in a, any situation. So that's the way I think of it. Now, what's a good way to really determine somebody's weaknesses? I mean, if, when you're teaching that, how, how do you, you know, get your students to figure out what their opponent's weaknesses are? It, it basically just comes off of patterns, right? These are patterns that happen. And, and like, if, if you're playing to your strengths and somebody hits a shot and you go, Oh, I didn't see that coming. And it happens. Sometimes I just, it happens one ball, but if, if you do the same shot and it's a reoccurring thing, Oh, that's their shot. So you better think of it, you know, it may be your shot too, but they're just better at it. So it all, I think it all comes from patterns and, and where you're winning points. Um, and I think that goes for all rec players. Some too many times they get caught up in too fancy of play. I guess you would say. I'm I'm, I'm from the old school. I, I always tell my people I play boring pickleball. You know, but you know it's fun winning, and you know it wins boring pickleball. And what I mean by that is I don't I'm not flashy. I don't have anything flashy. I'm consistent in what I do. I'm consistent in what I'm looking for. And if, if I'm consistent with all that, then I'm consistent in my game and my game wins. And so if you can build your game around not being so flashy, but looking for your opportunities, you're going to raise your level. And for low, for, for mid-range players from 3-0 to, to 4-0, that's the meat and potatoes. I, that's the stuff I, I wish we would focus on more as instructors. And that's something I know I do where I'm just sitting there going, listen, I don't need you to have the, the fancy – flip roll snap hook drive right i just need you to put the ball down below the net and so you can't get hurt and the more times you can keep it simple the better you're going to be so 
It's when I think about how how it helps my students grow much faster. Well, here, here for boring pickleball. That's right. That's right. Now, get, getting back uh, a little bit back to, you know, defense and, you know, th- thinking about the fact that, you know, still pickleball is played by, you know, a lot of older people. I mean, how do you keep up your defense when, you know, you're finding it more difficult to move? Like we were talking earlier, I kind of tweaked my knee today. wasn't yeah. real happy about that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be quite as mobile. I, I need to take it easy. You know, how do, how do you play defense if you can't, you know, move? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of it is we're, we don't move correctly all the time. You know, I know the game of pickleball is a very lateral game at times, but little steps, little, little corrections to the body rather than big corrections. So people move incorrectly. So they, they, they hurt their knees a little bit more. People stress their joints by not getting in front of the ball. My biggest thing is I track the ball with my body. I don't lunge for balls. I don't do this. So if I can read it early and and listen, sometimes you're going to guess and you're going to guess right. And sometimes you're going to do it. You're going to go wrong. But like I said, everybody has a pattern. And if I hit you a ball and you have a tendency to hit the ball here when the ball goes up, well, that's a pattern. And my job as a, as a player is to recognize those patterns. So I may not get it every time, but the one time the ball goes up and I make the right move, I may get lucky and get the ball and one more ball back in play may be all I need to win that shot. So that's what I mean by playing better defense. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not how quick you are and how athletic you are. Those are all great attributes to have. I mean, don't get me wrong, but just knowing the pattern of your opponent is probably a, a, a much better tool to have in your, in your arsenal because you start to understand what they will do. You know, if I give, if you give me an overhead, and I hit it to the same spot every time. Well, when it's eight all in the third game and I do it and you guess right because you've read my patterns all day and you get a ball back and play and then I dump the volley, that's a huge elevation of your game because you were more, way more mindful of what the situation was because you read the patterns through the day. Those are the things I don't know enough people are doing. So that's kind of what I teach in my, you know, be mindful, right? See what's going on. If, if, Bobby or Billy does this every single time. Well, guess what? When push comes to shove, they're going to do that. And so once you read that, now all of a sudden you can put your, you're ahead of them because you know what they're going to do before they do. And that's to me, what makes a really good defensive player is just recognizing the situation and then making the right move. And you know, you can, you can miss it. You can miss the wrong, you can make the wrong move all the time, but that one time maybe at the most crucial point of a game that turns it around. And we all know this game is built on momentum. And if you steal it, you know, how many times you've been in a game and ate all, and all of a sudden you, you got a shot that you maybe shouldn't have. And then you run three points out and you win the match all because you got one break that went your way because of you did something great. So those are, those are things that we, we should, we should kind of highlight more in our, in our teachings with people is just, be able be a little bit more mindful, be a little bit more defensive, and it, it'll turn around the game for you. Because the offense, when it gets going, it's always going. Right. Like you said, that's that's great advice. And yeah, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today, John. I'm just going to finish up with a couple questions. I always like to ask the pros, which pickleball paddle do you use and why? I use a Selkirk Vanguard, weighted up to 10.7. It is a tank. I use it because it's the closest thing I've felt 
to a tennis racket, if that makes sense. And there's a lot of great paddles out there, but this one just has the feel and the control that I wanted. And I would say the softness, if that makes sense. I, I would probably refer to softness as control. And to me, I haven't felt a paddle out there that has better control than that paddle. So I use the Selkirk Invicta. Nice. Nice. Yeah, actually, I just got in the mail a Selkirk S2. So I'm going to try that yeah. one out. I used to use the S2 and then I realized my hand was too big and I'm like, I can't use this paddle again. And I switched to the, the Invicta and unfortunately my poor S2 has sat in a garage ever since. <laughs> well, all right. So John, I, I know you teach all over the country. I'm not sure if you've got, uh, are going to be on the road much with camps and clinics, but I do always like to to check and, you know, if you want to mention some or, you know, if somebody wants you to do a camp or a clinic, where's the best place to reach out to you? You can always catch me on either my Facebook page, which is ATP Pickleball, or you can get a hold of me at atp.pickleball at gmail.com or go to the website of atp-pickleball.com. Send us a message. We'll, we we travel all over. Um, I, I'm literally packing the, my bags and leaving for Wisconsin for a couple of weeks. We'll be in Eagle River and then in Green Bay. When I get home from there, I will be heading out west to Idaho and Ben while playing in a couple events. So um, my life is busy on the road, but yeah, if you want to get a hold of me and you have a group that wants me to come to your town, I'm more than welcome to do it. I love to travel. I love to meet new people. And what makes our, our sport very unique is that ability to touch base with all those around the country and have such a, a huge outreach. Perfect. Well, once again, John, I thank you so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thank you, Lynn. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.